You're listening to an Airwave Media Podcast. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to From Beneath the Hollywood Sign. If you love old movies, Hollywood history, or the golden age of filmmaking, you've come to the right place. This is the podcast that talks about amazing stories of Tinseltown from another era and fascinating conversations with writer-producer Steve Kubine and actress-writer Nan McNamara. So, Steve, did Ava Gardner and Howard Hughes have a good relationship? Well, they did until he dislocated her jaw. What? Well, don't worry. She hit him back with an ashtray. From Beneath the Hollywood Sign is the gin joint for you. Welcome to our couch. Take a seat. It's time for therapy. Movie therapy. Hey, movie therapy listeners. Kristen here with another bonus episode for all you beautiful people. What you're about to hear is an appearance Rafer and I made on one of my other shows, By the Book. As you may know, By the Book is my show with Jolenta Greenberg. On each episode, Jolenta and I live by the rules of a different self-help book, and we record ourselves doing it so you can hear how each book enhances or destroys our lives and our marriages. But on this episode, Rafer stepped into Jolenta's hosting chair, and rather than live by self-help books, we responded to listener questions about life, love, regrets, work, movies, and of course, TV. We hope you enjoy it, and if you do, please subscribe to Buy the Book wherever you get your favorite shows. And now, let's get this bonus episode underway. Hey, Jolenta! Hey, Kristen! Hold on. You're not Jolenta. No, tis I, Rafer Guzman, film critic for Newsday, <laughs> and your very co-host on Movie Therapy with Rafer and Kristen. Oh my God. Rafer, what are you doing here? Listen, I heard uh, Jolenta wasn't feeling that hot today, so I uh, thought I'd come by, maybe offer you a little co-host help. I heard you could use it. I think uh, you guys have been doing some conversations about hearth and home, and I just thought I'd, I just thought I'd step in, Kristen. Oh, that is so nice of you. And what part of Hearth and Home are we going to be talking about today, Rafer? I thought we'd talk about that modern invention known as the television. It's the content <gasps> streaming appliance that is probably mounted on your wall. Then again, it could be on your computer. It could be on your phone. Who knows? But that's what I'm here to talk about. Oh, my gosh. Well, I am so excited to do it, Rafer, because I'm Kristen Meinzer. And I'm Rafer Guzman. And this is By the Book. That's right. It's time for another Buy the Book bonus episode. Every other week between now and season eight, we'll be releasing a new bonus episode. And throughout our bonus episodes, we'll be continuing our season seven hearth and home theme, albeit in offbeat ways. Today, we're looking at the TV. For many of us, it's the appliance in our home we use most often. We use it to entertain ourselves, to keep us company. And in these days of the pandemic, to help us feel a tiny bit more connected to the outside world. And Rafer, we could not ask for a better co-host for this episode than yours truly. Or is it mine truly? Or whatever it is. Some sort of truly. You are the Newsday film critic. You're my co-host on Movie Therapy with Rafer and Kristen. You know a lot about that TV set. So we really appreciate you joining us today. Listen, thanks for having me. I'm glad to be here. All right. So we have a lot of questions from listeners. But before we get to those questions... Tell everyone a little bit about Movie Therapy with Rafer and Kristen if they're not familiar with it. Well, uh, this is a, a podcast that grew out of another podcast that you and I used to do, Kristen, uh, back in the oldie uh, 2000s. And that podcast was called Movie Date. And there was a segment that you came up with called Movie Therapy, where people would write in and they'd uh, talk to us about their problems. And then we would prescribe 
a television show or a movie, something to help them out. And we decided to relaunch this podcast during the pandemic and uh, help people out. And I think we launched it at the right time because people definitely need a lot of help. Oh, yes, we all do. Not just the people who write into us, but, oh, Rafer, you and I could use some help too sometimes, right? That is for sure. That is for sure. (laughs) Now, I just want to note something here because um, a lot of people who listen to buy the book have children. And one of the, I I don't know if you'd call it a blind spot, but neither Jolenta nor I have children. And I'm just curious if you can share your particular viewpoint on living in the era of the pandemic and TV. What are your thoughts on you know, leaning a little bit more heavily on the TV as either a babysitter or as a parental vacation from your kids? It all gets really difficult. I think you just have to be a little bit on top of it. Let those kids have their me time, especially in the pandemic where you're all stuck in the house and you're looking for a little way to get away from each other. Let them disappear a little bit and just try not to turn it into a 24-hour habit. That's my best advice. Oh, yes. Yeah. And one thing that, Rafer, you and I like to say to all of our listeners on movie therapy is, do what works for you. We're not going to tell you how many hours to have your kids on a screen or not have your kids on a screen. We trust that everybody out there is doing the best they can just to stay sane, much less be a parent. So, That's great advice. You know, we really want you all out there to just, you know, do what you need to do. We know you're doing the best you can. We know it's really hard out there right now for all the parents. Yeah, no, I totally, I totally agree. And, you know, every, every parent is different. Every kid is different. Every household's got different dynamics. That's very true. Yes. All right. So shall we get to some of these letters from our listeners, Rafer? Lay them on me. I I, I want to hear these. (laughs) All right. So we're going to do what we do on movie therapy. We're going to give just a little bit of advice and give a movie or TV prescription for each of these letter writers. We're going to do it in a little bit of a snappier fashion than we do it on movie therapy. Movie therapy, we frequently go into more confessions of our own mistakes in life. We talk a lot about (laughs) things we've done right and wrong ourselves, but we're going to try to be a little snappier with this um, because we have quite a few letters to get to. We're going to start with this one from Danielle. Danielle says, I was lucky to get a new dream job during the pandemic, and while I work hard and mostly do my job well, I also struggle constantly with feeling like I'm not really qualified or worthy, particularly when there are so many smart, experienced people out there who are unemployed right now due to the pandemic. How can I get past this imposter syndrome? Well, I certainly understand this. Um, In fact, I was talking to my own actual therapist uh, the other day, as opposed to the therapist that I claim to be. And um, and and I was talking about some things and he's he used the word. I swear to God, this was the first time I'd ever heard it. He said, oh, yeah, imposter syndrome. And I You'd never heard that term before, Rafer? No. And I thought, that's brilliant. What a brilliant way to describe. I had no idea that this was just like a completely common thing that people say, you know, that this is a t- totally common term. I had no idea. Um, and I, I gave my my therapist probably over, over, over credited him with, uh, with that phrase. Um, anyway, all this to say, I understand that feeling. It's a terrible feeling. I don't know where it comes from. But uh, apparently it is extremely common and it sounds to me like many, many people have this feeling uh, almost no matter how successful you get, you, you, it's very difficult to, to sort of shake this, this weird feeling that you're faking it. I don't really know why, but it's true. Yeah, yeah, definitely true. I know I've felt it before. I think sometimes the world just wants us to be insecure so that we can buy more products to fix our terrible (laughs) hair and the fact that we're not smart enough and to get ahead in life and to make our next million to, well, our first million, I should say. Um, Yeah, the the world definitely has a lot of expectations it puts on us and frequently tells us we're not good enough. And it's really easy to question ourselves sometimes. So, Danielle, you are not alone. You are not alone at all. And what are we going to prescribe to Danielle, Rafer? Well, I chose a movie from 1993 called Dave, and it's a one of my favorite comedies from the 90s that I didn't know was one of my favorite comedies from the 90s because I didn't see it back then. I only saw it just recently, actually, with my uh, really? wife and kids. Yeah, um, none of us actually had ever seen it, and it's the it's the movie with Kevin Klein where he plays kind of an average guy, and um, somehow through a very crazy series of events. The uh, president, I'll just say he falls ill. I think he goes into a coma and the Secret Service drops by Dave's house. And because they've realized that he looks identical to the president, so much so 
that even the president's own wife cannot tell the difference. She's played by Sigourney Weaver. And of course, you can imagine what happens. Dave gets into office and initially he's just sort of faking his way, bumbling his way through the whole thing and picks up the presidential phone. He's shocked to hear that there's somebody waiting for his command on the other line. He slams it down because he's so freaked out. Um, and of course, I don't think I'm giving too much away to say that eventually he becomes presidential and he becomes maybe even a better president than the actual president. And so I think it's kind of an inspiring movie uh, if you're suffering from that imposter syndrome. Here's an actual imposter who becomes actually good at what he's doing. Uh, okay, before we get started, uh, a couple things I'd like to go over in the budget. The budget? Do we have anything on the budget today? No, I don't think so. Now, I, uh, I think I found some ways to put back the homeless section of the Simpson-Garner Works Bill. Mr. President, I don't believe that's on your agenda today. No, it's a last-minute change, Bob. Uh, now, uh, the way I see it, we need $650 million in order to uh, keep the project. Now, some of this can be done, uh, it seems to me, through some simple changes in our cash management. Uh, for example, uh, according to the OMB, we've got uh, 17 defense contractors who are delinquent in their contracts. Uh, is this true, Frank? Uh, I believe so, yes. Oh, that's so great, Rafer. It is such a classic. Um, it's also kind of a fun movie to watch when, I don't know about you, Rafer, when you're feeling maybe a little bit disenchanted with the state of politics to watch that movie. And it yes. kind of feels like, oh, the little guy rose up and, <laughs> yeah, and it's going to be Yeah, a little bit of a Jimmy Stewart feeling. Yeah, yes. exactly. Exactly. Yes. All right, Kristen, and how about you? What are you going to suggest? All right. So I'm going to prescribe a movie from 1988, a classic called Working Girl, starring Melanie Griffith, Harrison Ford, and Sigourney Weaver. Rafer, I know you know this movie. I do. And I know that this is one of your favorite movies. You love this yes, movie. Absolutely. So in the movie, Melanie Griffith plays somebody who's essentially just a disrespected woman in the secretarial pool. Her boss steals her ideas. Her boss is Sigourney Weaver. And you know what? She doesn't want to take it anymore. She wants to stand up, take credit for her ideas, but maybe in order to do that, she has to pretend that she's a higher-ranking executive than she is. So she goes out there. She tries to do it. Unfortunately, uh, her best friend, who is also maybe a lower-ranking secretary type played by Joan Cusack, doesn't necessarily believe in her. So even the people nearest and dearest to her when she tries to take life by the horns and go that next step in her job, even the people who love her don't necessarily believe in her. But she does it anyway. And the reason I am prescribing this, Danielle, is even when we are taking steps to get past our imposter syndrome, sometimes the people around us won't support us. So whatever you can do to be your number one cheerleader, please do that. You are worthy. Danielle, I have no doubt that you are so good at your job, that you try hard, that you ask questions, that when you make mistakes, you try to figure out how to make them better, that you're a great communicator. I have no doubt you're all these things. You're going to be just fine, just like our protagonist in Working Girl. Hello, Mr. Trainer's office, please. <clears throat> Hello, Tess McGill calling from Petty Marsh. May I put it through? Thank you. Mr. Trainer. Hi, this is Tess McGill. I work with Katherine Parker over here in mergers and acquisitions. I have a proposal that I'd like to discuss with you. N not over the phone, though. Um, I have an opening tomorrow morning at 10 o'clock. Okay. I'll messenger an outline over to you right now. Bye. It's a it's a great film. It really is a classic, um, and and so eighties. Yes, the, the, the air alone. The, I was just gonna say the the real take home lesson here for Danielle is you gotta volumize your hair <laughs> if you want to be like Melody Griffiths and, and succeed in the workplace. You gotta blow that hair way out as as far out as you can get it. Then, Lots of then things it'll all go right for you. Yeah, and rouge. Lots of eyeliner and rouge also. <laughs> right. Don't forget that part. <laughs> Danielle, once again, those prescriptions are from Rafer, Dave, and from me, Working Girl. All right, Rafer, um, we have another listener question here, and then we're going to take a break after this listener question. Okay. Um, this listener question is from Dana, and um, it, it's 
very similar to a question we get a lot on movie therapy with Rafer and Kristen. Dana says, I don't know if it's because I'm getting older or because I've got way too much time on my hands during this pandemic, but I've been struggling with feelings of regret. At least once a day, sometimes several times a day, I find myself thinking of things I've done wrong in my life and different paths I could have taken. How do I stop beating myself up about the past and appreciate what I have now? You know, if I had the answer to that question, I don't, I don't, I don't even, I, I don't think I would need a therapist. I think I, all my problems would be solved. Oh if gosh, I, if I could. Yeah, we would know? bottle that and we would just give it away on the street to everybody oh, if we could. Oh man, oh man, yeah, it's um, it's a real tough one. Um, it's really hard to move forward. Um. I think it was Martin Amos who who wrote about that little voice that kind of the, the your, your failures that are these little voices that kind of come and nag you in the night and wake you up and shake your shoulders and get you out of bed. It's never you know it's never the good stuff that comes and taps you on the shoulder and <laughs> I'm says, "Staying up hey, at night thinking about how successful I am." Remember that one wonderful <laughs> evening? I just thought I'd come back here and 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 give you that nice glow again. No, it's always the stuff, the crappy thing you said, the stupid mistake you made. Yeah, I don't know. Again, you know, it's it's just one yeah. of those oh my gosh. human nature. It's so things. true. It's so true. And I think it happens to all of us. That feeling of like, oh God, I guess I'm just going to ruminate on this regret all night rather than actually sleep or do anything useful or live in the moment. So right, yeah, I think a lot of us feel that way sometimes. But um, Dana, one thing I just want to say that. I like to always remember is just because things could have been different does not mean they would have been better. Different does not equal better. You know what? Uh, going back and saying something else to that person, maybe you wouldn't have learned a lesson. Maybe you wouldn't have become better at this or taken a path that way. So, you know, a lot of those things we stay up at night regretting make us a little bit more human, hopefully a little bit more empathetic. Hopefully they taught us some lessons. And again, just because things could have been different does not mean they would have been better. That's a very good point. I like that, Kristen. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to write that down. Thank you. Thanks. So what are we going to prescribe, Dana? <laughs> I'm going to suggest a movie from uh, late last year. I think it came out maybe November of last year uh, called Sound of Metal with Riz Ahmed. And um, it's a pretty unusual film. Um, he plays a heavy metal drummer. He's in this kind of, um, I don't know what you'd call it. He's this kind of scrungy metal punk art band with um, uh, his girlfriend. She plays uh, guitar and sings slash screeches. And he is in the back, you know, <laughs> no shirt, covered in tats, you know, his hair spiked up and he's pounding, pounding, pounding. They're like, they're like a scronky art rock white stripes or something reversed. And... Um, touring around in a van. You know, they're young and this is their thing. They're touring around in a van. It's fun. They're playing these crappy clubs. They're not making any money, but it's okay. They're in an RV actually. And, uh, and they're, and you know, this is, this is their life and they're loving it. This is who they are. And he begins to lose his hearing mm. rapidly until at some point he finally realizes he is essentially all but deaf and he denies it, denies it, denies it, goes finally into a kind of, um, I don't know what you'd call it, sort of a halfway house, like a group home for people who are deaf. He tries to learn sign language. And uh, the guy that's uh, sort of coaching him is basically spending the entire movie telling the Riz Ahmed character, telling him, um, you got to let the hearing world go and you got to move forward. And he and and this drummer can't. He can't. He's secretly uh, squirreling away money to save up for an operation to get implants which means it would sort of take him out of the deaf world and put him back in the old world. Um, and he can't, he basically can't give up the past. And no matter what this guy keeps telling him to do, you know, sit here, write, you know, keep a journal, be silent, meditate. He can't do it because he is clinging to the person that he used to be. He is clinging to the past and he sort of can't get it through his head that the past is gone. And it's a really interesting movie. It also does a lot of really interesting things with sound um, because it sort of puts you in his head a lot of the time. So you're hearing what he's mm -hmm. hearing. Um, and it's just, uh, it's really, it's a really great movie. And it's a, it's a, it's a kind of a profound lesson about how you, you just, 
you got to move on as painful as it may be, as much as you want to cling to the past, um, good or bad, you've got to move on. So that's my recommendation. Your hearing is deteriorating rapidly. We'll come back. Till then, Lou, we just keep going, okay? No. Lou, no. let's play tomorrow and see what it's like, okay? I'm going to be like a click track. You can play to me. Hear you. Do you understand me? I can't. I'm deaf. I'm deaf. Oh, that's a great one, Rafer. Really good recommendation. Mine is a little bit lighter. I am going to prescribe okay. <laughs> About Time from 2013, starring the Christian, great Rachel McAdams and Donald Gleason. And I know you hate this movie, Rafer. I know I you do. hate it. But it's you're wrong. This is an excellent movie. <laughs> It's a movie in which our protagonist, Donald Gleason, can actually go back in time and try to fix things that he thought he got wrong, go back in time and try to do it better and lay better groundwork. But every time he goes back in time, he erases something beautiful in the present that he loves. And what he learns as the movie goes along is that if you are really cherishing each moment, if you are appreciating each uh you know, mistake, each thing that seems like a catastrophe, each irritation, if you're taking a moment instead to appreciate something in that moment, you won't be so tempted to go back in time and try to fix it. And even if you can go back in time, you're never going to fix it. You're just going to change it in a way that maybe isn't for the best for you in the long run anyway. And it is such a beautiful story. Don't listen to Rafer. Don't listen to Rafer who hates this movie. Um, I'm not going to say a thing. I'm Tim. I'm Mary. It's my mother's name. I remind you of your mother. Obviously, I should have thought this through more. Could you give me one second? I'm Tim. I'm Mary. I love your eyes. Do you? I love the rest of your face, too. I haven't even looked further down, but I'm sure it's all fantastic. I'm sure it'll be better next time. Well done. Some people make a real mess of it the first time. Amateurs. It's one of my favorites. So I hope that you check that out, Dana. You can also check out Rafer's movie, too. <laughs> one more time, Rafer's. I do, like, I do like Donald Gleason, and I do like uh, Rachel McAdams. I, 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 will, I will say that much. <laughs> All right. So one more time, Rafer's movie is Sound of Metal, and mine is About Time. All right. We're going to take a quick break, but when we're back... We're going to tackle a couple more listener questions, including the question that all of you seem to have, what should I watch next? Hey, Matt, did you know that wombats poop cubes? Nope, never heard that before. Did you know the unicorn is the national animal of Scotland, Ken? I didn't know, nor do I care. Neil, did you know that Liechtenstein is the only doubly landlocked country in Europe? Jeff, isn't that an American pop artist? Well, actually, it's both. If you want to learn things like that and more, join us each week on Triviality, a pub trivia-style game show podcast where a lack of seriousness meets a little bit of knowledge. Listen in each week to answer general knowledge trivia alongside exciting guests from around the world. And we're here, too. Join us every Tuesday for new hour-long episodes of Triviality, plus tons of extra theme content on everything from The Office and Lord of the Rings to science and geography. And sometimes we even do sports. Find us on all your preferred podcast apps and take part in the fun of playing bar trivia without the need to wear pants. Real mature, Jeff. Forget it, Neil. It's triviality. You can spend less time staying in the know about all things gaming and get more time to actually play the games you love with the IGN Daily Update Podcast. All you need is a few minutes to hear the latest from IGN on the world of video games, movies, and television with news, previews, and reviews. You'll hear everything from Comic-Con coverage to the huge Diablo 4 launch. So listen and subscribe to the IGN Daily Update wherever you get your podcasts. That's the IGN Daily Update wherever you get your podcasts. are back with more listener questions for Rafer Guzman, film critic for Newsday, who is also my co-host on my other show, Movie Therapy with Rafer and Kristen. 
All right. Here's a question that, Rafer, I think you and I can uh, definitely relate to from Jennifer. Jennifer says, my husband and I have been together for nearly 20 years and have a pretty good marriage. But during the pandemic, we've been spending a lot more time together and we're bickering a lot more. Any advice to cut down on the dumb squabbling? Okay, yes, dumb squabbling. Um, another another problem that if I could solve would tremendously improve my life, <laughs> right? Uh, <laughs> yet another. Um, but, you know, it's... Uh, the and the pandemic really does, you know. I, Christian, I think you and I both have said that we know couples that are that seem to be breaking up, couples that actually are breaking mm-hmm. up. I mean, any any issue you've got is going to be really uh, exacerbated and magnified by the pandemic, uh, for sure. And I think it, I think it really just um, uh, compresses things to a level where they they might Im- might implode. So yes. yeah, it's it's difficult. Advice. Advice? I don't know, but I'm going to throw this to you, Kristen, because I remember you and I were talking about this, and I thought you had some excellent advice about distinguishing between two different kinds of problems. I thought this was a very wise thing you said. You know what I'm referring to? Yes, I do. And, you know, I thought about it more after that episode came out, and I was like, you know what? I may have even learned it from a by the book listener or even from Jolenta, and that is to distinguish between whether or not you're having a relationship issue or a roommate issue. Because sometimes what you're really irritated about is not the life and death of your relationship. It's just the same stuff that you would fight about if you were with a roommate, unfortunately. So if you can distinguish between those two things, I think that can help you to have more constructive fights. I don't think fights are bad, by the way. I think that sometimes we do have to have arguments and, you know, get things out there and talk about uh, what's frustrating and talk about solutions and so on. So I'm not completely opposed to squabbling. But if it's just dumb squabbling, like you're saying, Jennifer, then, you know, that's not necessarily so productive. So think about, you know, is there a way to talk about things productively and uh, let things go that maybe are not so productive? I think that's I think that's all very true. I think that's good advice. All right. So, Rafer, let's hear your prescription for Jennifer. Well, uh, the movie I chose is the old classic from 1981, On Golden Pond. Um, it's a movie that is uh, sort of went down in Hollywood uh, history because it was the first time that uh, Jane Fonda and her uh, father, uh, Henry Fonda, had ever been on screen together. It was Henry Fonda and Catherine Hepburn together. Um, and this was a big deal at the time. Um, and this is the story of uh, Norman and Ethel. They're an older couple. That's uh, Henry Fonda and Catherine Hepburn. They're at their little lake house, uh, uh, little cabin on the on on Golden Pond. And um, they, Jane Fonda, the daughter, stops by. She's got a new beau. The beau has a child, and they're going to leave this child, thirteen-year-old kid, uh, with Norman and Ethel. Norman doesn't want that, but uh, Ethel says, uh, "No, that's fine. That's fine. Uh, you know, we'll." We'll 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 take we'll take care of them. So the main story here is really the the uh, the relationship between uh, Norman and uh, the boy. But I think the relationship that that's that you can take away from this movie is the marriage. This is a very a very old marriage. You know, decades decades of marriage there. And yes, they bicker and they kind of uh, get in each other's case here and there. But what I always loved about these two is that they're very direct with each other. They pretty much always say what they're thinking to each other. And when one of them doesn't say what what he's thinking, uh, the other one knows that something is wrong. And the other one knows to kind of start start probing, start digging a little bit and get it up onto the surface. And let's actually talk about what the real problem is. And I think that's kind of what happens when you're doing dumb squabbling. Usually, you're fighting about something else, you know. In the in the movie, there's the famous strawberry picking scene where you know Henry Fonda doesn't want to go strawberry picking, and you know, and and Catherine Hepburn is trying to tell him, "You've got to go st- pick these strawberries," <laughs> and you know they go back and forth and back and forth, and of course, eventually, what comes out is he's got these other fears, these other insecurities. I don't want to spoil anything, but, but it's there are not other about things. the strawberries. Let's and it's definitely clear. not about the strawberries. That's right. That's right. So. You know, I think they're a, I think they're a pretty good model of a marriage that that works, and I think you can see it play out in their relationship. So I know it's a I know it's a, a corny corny old movie, but that's what I would say on Golden Pond. I met Ethel when I was a 
principal and she was a substitute teacher. She was the prettiest thing I'd ever seen. So I told her she made my heart go pitter-pat. She fell in love with me immediately. Oh, oh. Is that the way Norman got you, Ethel? Don't be silly. He didn't get me at all. I won him in a contest. He was the booby prize. Has he got you cleaning those stupid fish? That's right. He cleans the stupid ones. I clean the smart ones. <laughs> Fortunately, the smart ones are too smart to get caught. That's why they're in schools. <laughs> Come on in, Norman. Get me a fire going. It's going to be a bit nippy tonight. You hear that, boy? Get a fire going. Norman, for Pete's sake. Billy doesn't have to do all your chores. What's the point in having a dwarf if he doesn't do chores? Now, I think that is a fantastic pick, Rafer, and um, for all the people out there who remember Jolenta, her favorite actor of all time is Katherine Hepburn, and yes, Katherine Hepburn is great in this movie. Oh, I didn't know that about Jolenta. Oh, yeah, right. she Good just for her. loves Katherine Hepburn. Um, all right, so my Look. prescription is very different. It's much more recent. It is a documentary called To Be Takei, as in I'm okay, you're okay, uh, George Takei, George Takei of Star Trek fame. Now, right, right. Yes. It, uh, Rafer, um, uh, you may know this. I, I think we've talked about this before. George Takei and his partner Brad, his now husband Brad, they were not married in the beginning because uh, same sex marriage was not legal for a very long time. But uh, George and his husband have been together since the 1980s. And this documentary mostly follows George's story from being in a Japanese American internment camp as a small child, rising to stardom. Uh, coming out of the closet and becoming a role model and icon for the LGBTQ community and his marriage. But along the way, you see, despite how fantastic he is, sometimes he also is just a pain in the butt. And boy, does he not have a problem squabbling with his beloved husband. It is um, uh, sometimes a little bit surprising to watch these two bicker. But also what I love about this is you see that despite the bickering, Everything else that's great about this relationship is so much bigger than that bickering. That bickering is just one part of them. They also have so much that they love about each other. They have so much fun going on adventures together. They 100% believe in each other despite that bickering. And I think that uh, anybody who watches To Be To K might see a little bit of their own relationship in there and maybe feel better about themselves. George is the love of my life. I'm proud of him. I've heard that before. <laughs> he's, he's wonderful. <laughs> well, if you see him talking to me sometimes, you wouldn't think so. <laughs> I didn't understand that answer. <laughs> he's argumentative, and I'm defensive. <laughs> he, notice every time George says something serious about a relationship, he always laughs immediately after it. What's that mean? I don't know. I think it's psychological. I find it amusing. Like no, bringing no, joy. Like he'll say, "Nose Brad's gained a few uh, some weight over the decades." <laughs> <laughs> well, that that is funny. I, I find it <laughs> eminently amusing. <laughs> well, maybe I don't. You don't? I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm very sensitive about it. <laughs> I remember uh, you and I uh, were talking about this movie on movie therapy, um, and I, I was saying how I always feel like. Um, you know, George Takei has, has has created this public persona of being the extremely, extremely nice guy, which I per certainly believe he is. But you were saying how it's kind of funny to see him be not a nice guy yeah. in the marriage, which I thought sounded really hilarious. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm not saying I'd want to be in a marriage with him, but it's a fun movie to watch. <laughs> <laughs> so, okay, that's cool. So one more time, those movies are for me to be Takei and from Rafer on Golden Pond. Now, Rafer, let's answer a couple of what should I watch next questions because loads of people have written in asking what they should watch next. And uh, this is always the final segment on our show, Movie Therapy with Rafer and Kristen. And so we're going to do a couple of them here now. Um, Katie says, my kids and I have been enjoying Brooklyn Nine-Nine. It's funny, light, and the cast looks more like us than so many other casts on TV these days. Sadly, we're reaching the end of available episodes. What should we watch next? I'm going to suggest a series that I was a little late, uh, late coming to, and that is Ted Lasso with Jason Sudeikis. 
Um, and oh, I just yes, on Apple TV. Yes, um, and this has been a real hit for uh, for Apple TV. Uh, so this is the this is the one that started out as an NBC like sports promo, a uh, little commercial that they just thought would be kind of funny. Wouldn't it be funny if uh, an American coach tried to you know teach English football, you know teach uh, what we call soccer, and that would be sort of the the joke. You call it football, we call it soccer, and it was this very short little promo with Jason Sudeikis and. Lo and behold, they blew it out into a series. And I think when it kind of first came out, critics didn't really think that much of it. They kind of thought, you know, "Ah, there's not that much there, there. You know, it didn't seem like there was much happening. But my family and I watched this and just really fell in love with this story of this American guy who comes to comes to England and he's this aw shucks American dude with a little mustache and he's got the kind of Midwestern accent, you know, exactly the kind of guy that the English would just hate. And they do. They just can't <laughs> stand him. Um, you know, and they spend the, you know, the entire every show someone is just insulting him. And Ted is just nice, nice, nice. He never stops being nice. Um, and lo and behold, it works. He wins over the players. He wins over the um, the woman who hired him. I don't think it's much of a spoiler to say she hired him hoping that he would fail. He wins her over. He wins <laughs> over the journalists. You know, if you can win over a British journalist, I mean, you know you're doing something right. And it's just, it's true that there isn't a lot of um, drama or plot or suspense but it is just so funny and charming and sweet. Um, it's funny. We watched Ted Lasso, finished it, then decided what should we watch next, and we started watching Brooklyn Nine Nine. So, oh my gosh! <laughs> as it turns out, I think this will be a pretty good recommendation because I do think they have a little bit of a similar vibe. Oi, mate, this is you. I believe it is. Wicked. You coaching football? You are a legend for doing something so stupid. I mean, it's mental. They're gonna murder you. <laughs> bit of news from the other side of the Atlantic. AFC Richmond announced the hiring of their new manager, American football coach Ted Lasso. You're an American who's now in charge of a football club despite possessing very little knowledge of the game. Oh! I know that AFC Richmond is going to give you everything they got, win or lose. Or tie. Right, y'all do ties here. Do you see that? You must be from England, yeah? Wales. That another country? Yes and no. How many countries are in this country? Four. Nice, nice. Well, Rafer, I am going to prescribe something that is on network TV, and I think it's streaming on Hulu as well. This is an ensemble workplace multicultural comedy that I just adore that's called Superstore. And Rafer, I know you are a fan of Superstore as well. I love this show. I totally love this show. I think you might have been the first person I knew who had who had actually seen it. I'd heard a little bit about it. But it, it really kind of seemed like it faded. It, it, never, it never became like a hit hit, um, it seemed to me. Um, but I think you were the first person that I, I knew who had recommended it to me. Um, and I just, I did. I totally fell in love with it. We, we in fact, we are still saving the, the only last two episodes that exist. We've watched everything else and we can't bring ourselves to watch the last couple episodes. So we're saving them. Mm. Mm. It is just delightful. Uh, The characters are so fully fleshed out. Initially, you might think like, oh, I get it. You're the um, uh, stereotype of a teenage mom. You're the stereotype of, you know, uh, an undereducated uh, this or you're that. But you watch the show and you realize no one actually is a stereotype. And there's more to each character than what you might see in the first couple episodes. This person who seems like this on the surface is actually terrified because he's undocumented and doesn't want to be deported. This person who looks like this on the surface is actually hugely insecure but trying to hold things down. And uh, I just want to reiterate, it is you know multicultural like you want, Katie, the yeah. people who you see on the show um, – possibly much more diverse, I was going to say, than Brooklyn Nine-Nine, which is already a diverse show. And everybody is really humanized, and the writing is so snappy and so funny. And both adults and kids, I, I think everyone enjoys this show. I totally agree. Yeah, it's, 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 such, it's such a good show. It's so funny. We, 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 have, we have lines that we repeat, mostly from Bo, uh, Cheyenne's uh, boyfriend. <laughs> but uh, oh, God, yeah, it's a great show. You're going to play a union organizer, and you're going to try to get me to sign this union card. Okay. Sure. Okay. Uh, uh, hi. Hello. Uh, my name's Steve, and the union. Okay. You know what? You're doing great. But my name is Steve. So that. 
might be a little confusing for everyone, so maybe pick uh, another name. Okay, sure. Sorry, okay. I'm just a little nervous. Okay, right. um, hi, my name's Steve. All right. I'm going to be the Steve in this scene, right? So. All right. All right. You're, you're a Steve. Okay. <laughs> Sorry, misunderstanding. You're doing great. Okay. All right. Uh, hello there, Steve. Yep. My name's... Literally, you know what? Any other name in the entire universe. Steve. Okay, you know what? Let's give Glenn a round of applause. You did great. No worries. All right, so once again, those recommendations are from Rafer, Ted Lasso, and for me, Superstore. Now, Rafer, let's do one more what should I watch next question and then take a break. This is from Lindsay. Lindsay says, I've been devouring mysteries and procedurals during the pandemic from network shows like CSI to British detective shows like Broadchurch. The show I watched most recently was unbelievable on Netflix. What should I watch next? Well, I mean, you know, I almost hate to uh, recommend anything because I feel like there's something like 7,000 of these shows out there. There's just, there's every type of mystery, procedural. I mean, there's, there's just, I've really never seen a glut quite like it. Um, but I will recommend one. Um, I'm going to recommend this slightly half-heartedly, but I'm going to recommend a show called The Undoing. Um, ah. And this was the one that got a lot of buzz uh, because it had Nicole Kidman and Hugh Grant, these two movie stars. Uh, and it's uh, it's 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 pretty fun. You know, uh, he's a he's a doctor. She's a uh, she's a therapist, actually. Um, and they live on the Upper East Side in Manhattan. They're impossibly wealthy. Uh, they've got this uh, beautiful little boy who goes to this uh, fictional but completely believable prep school called Reardon. And, um, well, they seem to be this completely happy, uh, loving family. Did I, did I mention that they were impossibly rich? And, um, <laughs> suddenly one day the husband goes missing. Um, and, uh, you know, Nicole Kidman can't figure out why, what happened? Where's your husband? Well, it turns out he is accused of murder and he admits that, yes, this victim, this woman, he had been having an affair with her, but he didn't kill her. And now Nicole Kidman has to figure out do I believe my husband? I'm yes, I'm mad at him for cheating, but could he actually be a murderer? He's the father of my son. Uh, her dad, uh, Donald Sutherland, uh, hates Hugh Grant. Has never liked him. So that kind of throws a little. That kind of clouds the clouds the well a little bit there for her. But basically, she decides she's going to stand by him and see if she can help him get off the hook for this murder charge. Hi, Rita, see you at the arcade. Um, Jonathan Frazier, please. Is he a guest? Yes. I'm sorry, I'm not seeing a Jonathan Fraser. Would he be on another name? Hi, Place Independence, this is Jessica. Uh, Jonathan Frazier's room, please. I'm sorry, I don't see any reservation. <gasps> uh, Hi, Cleveland Legacy. Could you put me through to Jonathan Frazier's room, please? Uh, can you spell that? Frazier, F-R-A-S-E-R. Uh, yes. Transferring you now. Hello? Uh... Who is this? Who are you? Nice, nice. And you? I am also going to prescribe a show from HBO called The Flight Attendant, which... Uh, first came out around uh, American Thanksgiving, and it stars Kelly, I'm sorry, Kaylee Cuoco, <laughs> and she is a flight attendant who by day is pretty good at her job, but uh, in her free time has an addiction problem, isn't really good at maintaining her friendships, is kind of a mess. And, you know, the show pretty much starts off with her waking up one day in a hotel room with somebody who she met on one of her flights. She looks over at him in bed with her, and he's dead. And she has to figure out, how did he die? I am so drunk all the time. I can't remember where I was or how I got here. I don't think I did this. Well, I know I didn't do this. Oh, no, I have to find out who did this. Oh, no, I've actually ruined the crime scene because I tried to clean it up. Oh, no, I've sabotaged myself again. What's going on here? Who did this? So 
she is trying to unravel this mystery while simultaneously always making herself look guilty. It is such a trip. It is a lot of fun. Again, that's The Flight Attendant on HBO. Can't you see? I'm at Alex on the plane. Hi. Hi. We had dinner in Bangkok. We went back to his hotel. There's no escape. I can't when I woke up in the morning, he was so alive. I think they know you're lying. That sounds great. I still haven't seen it. Uh, I think we were discussing this. Uh, I think I've said that my dad hates the show, but his his wife always forces him to watch it. But um, I, 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 it sounds like a lot of fun. And so I really want to see this. Oh, I think you'll love it, Rafer. And hopefully you will also love it, Lindsay. So once again, those prescriptions are from Rafer, The Undoing, and from me, The Flight Attendant, both on HBO. All right, we're going to take one more quick break. But when we're back, we have one short last question for Rafer. Stay with us. are back with Rafer Guzman, film critic for Newsday, who's also my co-host on Movie Therapy with Rafer and Kristen. And now, Rafer, we have one very important last question for you. What is the best thing you've streamed this past year? It can be a movie. It can be a TV show. I know this is a hard question. Just pick one. It's a very hard question. Uh, I'm going to choose a fairly off-the-wall uh, documentary that I saw uh, not too long ago. It's called Feels Good Man. And what? this is the. I've yes. never heard of this before, Rafer. Yeah, I know. I know you haven't. Um, nobody has. This is the story <laughs> of a guy named Matt Fury, who is the creator. And here's where something might ring a bell for you. He is the creator of a little cartoon character called Pepe the Frog. And Pepe <gasps> the Frog. Do you remember this, Kristen? Yes. Okay, now I know what you're talking about. Yes. yes. So so you may remember Pepe the Frog started out as this kind of like a, he was almost like a big Lebowski frog. He was this kind of slacker, stoner, kind of hanging out frog, you know, him and his frog buddies. Somehow, <laughs> Pepe the Frog gets adopted by a kind of incel culture, uh, sort of these kind of fringe, sort of sad sack moper types uh, on the internet. And they kind of adopt Pepe the Frog as their own guy. Like, no, I'm kind of a Pepe the Frog. That somehow gets translated into kind of sort of racist jokes, racist memes. Suddenly Pepe the Frog is being touted as an alt-right symbol. And then the next thing you know, he's showing up on like the lapels and the t-shirts and the uh, internet accounts of all these, you know, like actual Nazis and white supremacists. And suddenly Matt Fury, the artist, is like, wait, that that's uh, this is never what I intended it. And um, Pepe the Frog actually winds up on the uh, Anti-Defamation League's uh, list of hate symbols. And at that mm. point, um, uh, the artist decides, I've got I've to try to do something. And it's kind of an extraordinary story of someone who's trying to do the impossible, which is to take something away from the internet, take something back from the internet, which is, as you can imagine... I don't know what the analogy is. It's 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 trying to uh, a needle in a haystack, or you're trying to take the entire haystack and leave the needle, or something. It's just it's such an impossible task, but he's going to do it. And what I loved about this documentary was it really explained in very careful, believable detail with with by the way, witness testimony from people who had participated in it, the way that uh, that uh, one little piece of art goes through these different filters and is uh, uh, adopted, co-opted, transmuted, and morphed into something entirely different until it's unrecognizable. And I just thought it explained a great deal about uh, all these weird cultures that we're all exposed to, about how politics work, about how disinformation works. Um, 
I just thought it was really fascinating. And I've been really surprised by the fact that nobody seems to know this movie. Um, I think it's because it's got a weird, creepy, slightly off-putting title, Feels Good Man, um, mm. which I just don't think really communicates anything <laughs> in terms of what the film's about. But um, I would just recommend it to anybody that kind of wants to understand, like, what happened to us over the last four years? Um, I think it's I think it's really illuminating. So that's my suggestion. I've just always been into drawing. It takes tons of time to come up with a character. And then eventually it was Pepe. It's a happy little frog. You like drinking and hanging out. It became Boys Club. It's one of the funniest comics of the last 10 years. Feels good, man. That was the frame that started it all. <laughs> became a meme. I didn't even know what a meme was. There were all these boys trying to own each other on the message boards. In drops Pepe. Right for the taking. Wow. Feels good, man. I'm definitely going to check that out. Um, once you started explaining it, I'm like, oh, yeah, 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 I have heard right. of this. It's just the title threw me off so much. But I don't know um, why they didn't call it Pepe the Frog or something. I don't know they why should've. they didn't do that. I don't know. But there you go. <laughs> Well, Rafer, it has been so fun having you ride shotgun on by the book. It's just like the worlds are colliding, and it was—it's just been so fun having you here, Rafer. I know it's been great. Thanks for letting me, uh, you know, uh, crash your virtual uh, studio space over there, Kristen. I appreciate it. Thanks so much. Reminder: Movie Therapy with Rafer and Kristen is available wherever you get your favorite podcasts. It comes out every Friday. You can find a link to it in our episode description. And that's it for this bonus episode of By the Book. Huge thanks to our fabulous production team at Stitcher, Daisy Rosario, Brandon Nix, Andy Christens, and Corinne Wallace. Thanks also to Nate Wyda, who composed our theme song, and to the Rizzos for performing it. Please stay in touch. Also, send us any questions or suggestions for future books for Jolenta and I to live by. Our email address is kristinandjolenta at gmail.com. Also, if you haven't already, please rate us and review us and tell a friend about the show. Until next time, I'm Kristen Meinzer. And I'm Jolenta Greenberg. That's actually Rafer Guzman. Thanks for listening. Bye-bye. Bye. Stitcher.